by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM Guadalupe Radio Network. We're broadcasting not only on the radio, but also on our social media site, uh, GRNDFW, if you want to go to Facebook and uh, see behind the scenes and all the guests and me and uh, all the other good stuff going on. So we got a very full show and we have a full studio as well. Uh, Cecil Anderson is on the other side of the glass in the control room. Good afternoon, Cecil. Good afternoon. Yeah, a lot going on. There it's is fall. a lot. I, whenever it's fall, it's busy. I know. I <laughs> it's, know. It's, 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 busy. It's, it's nice, though. There's a lot going on, and we have a lot to tell you about. Uh, fall festivals coming up. Uh, William Kirkendall is our crack uh, high school uh, intern, and he actually is going to be giving us a little update on some of the fall festivals coming up. So good afternoon, William. Good afternoon. And oh, sorry, uh, also, <laughs> Diane Xavier is in studio as well. Uh, so how are you doing, Diane? I'm doing good. The weather's starting to look really pretty. Yeah, it everything is. turned today, didn't it? It did. They say that, uh, you, you, you think this is for real now? Is it really fall weather? Or is this just a flirtation? I think back this in is another 90s? false fall. <laughs> oh, you think so? Uh, I, think, I think we might get one more really hard, hot week left that's my bet right now i don't know i'm not a meteorologist i'd say if you get up to like 95 again then it was a it was a fake yeah uh, i don't don't know i I think it may be place your bets now (laughs) all right so okay let's uh tell you what is going on um this coming sunday there's an event at saint rita in dallas and it's a conference for a group called well-read mom and this is really cool it's for women who basically want to band together in local groups, and I think there's an online option as well, and read good books together. Of course, these would be good Catholic books, uh, or at least books that would, you know, fit the, the moral uh, character of, of Catholic women. And so the founder of Well-Read Moms, uh, by the name of uh, Marcy Stockman, is going to join us at about 10 after uh, to talk about their organization, how you can join it, and also about the event coming up at St. Rita on Sunday as well. And then later in the hour, since it is the fourth Monday of the month, we have the regular University of Dallas segment. Dr. Jonathan Sanford will be in studio. You know, he's not always in studio with us, so it's going to be great to welcome him to the studio. And he will be interviewing Sister Alicia Torres the Communications Director for the National Eucharistic Revival. It's a grassroots initiative leading up to the 2024 National Eucharistic Congress. And UD will be hosting a Mass and Eucharistic procession on campus as part of the Eucharistic Revival this Saturday, October 1st. And so Dr. Sanford will have a whole lot more about that. And before that, though, we got a few other things that we want to mention. Uh, we still haven't officially thanked everybody for the fall shareathon. I have know, we? no, because it was such a uh, an interesting week last week. Normally, we take that Monday off, so we wouldn't be live anyway. But we were live from the golf tournament, the Bishop's Golf Tournament, and so yeah, we haven't officially said thank you so much. North Texas really showed up in this fall shareathon that we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was good, and uh, we got a list of all the donors, and you guys are going to be officially thanked a couple of ways. I don't want to give it all away, but. Uh, oh, 
Pass. If you donated at any level, you are going to be thanked, and we are very grateful for that as well. All right, fall festival season is among us, and I want to say thanks to All Saints Catholic Church in Dallas, because I went out there uh, this past Saturday, 12 to 2, and had all kinds of great guests. They had the president of the, the, the school on with me, the, of course, the business manager, Woody Berry, our, our friend Woody was on, uh, the head of the carnival, uh, you know, th- these cool moms groups and the Knights of Columbus. And so uh, Phil Muscat, uh, the business manager over there, just went above and beyond in lining up guests. And he also was present the whole time, making sure one guest was there, the other one was set up. So thanks a lot to him uh, as well. Uh, William has a little update on some of the upcoming fall festivals yes. that are going on. So busy, busy, busy. That's the theme. Yes. But what, what else have we got going yeah, on? Yeah, I've got uh, three here. So St. Michael the Archangel Parish in McKinney is going to be having their fall festival on October 2nd from 2 to 5. That's this Sunday. That's, yes, this no, no, Sunday. No, yeah, Sunday is it? Yes, yeah, so yeah, October 2nd oh, okay. is a Sunday. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So they've got Cakewalk, Kid Zone, Cultural Cuisine, Rock Climbing, Special Guests, and so much more. And we will be broadcasting there, or a couple of us will be broadcasting there, starting at 1 p.m. and going for a couple hours. We're not sure. So <laughs> Still going to an hour or two. It might be like 10 hours. Yeah, maybe <laughs> 10 hours. We just don't know, we'll right? See. Just keep on going yes. until, <laughs> we'll, until we'll Cecil faints. Start at 1. <laughs> okay. Start, so we know that much, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then there's the other uh, two full festivals we have is St. Elizabeth and Seton Fall Festival, and that one is on October 1st. So that's a Saturday. From 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., uh, food, entertainment, silent auction, all of that stuff. And Dave Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and the live broadcast that is? At, yes, yeah. 10 to 12 p.m. Okay. Yep, on Saturday. And then the last one, and I think this is my favorite, <laughs> the Our Lady of Lebanon Marianite Catholic Church is going to be having their Lebanese Food Festival on Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd in Louisville and they'll have they have some of the most amazing cuisine I've ever had delicious traditional folk dancing games activities for the kids and so much more and we will be broadcasting there from uh, 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday yeah, this Friday yep. so are you personally going to that I don't know I I don't think so but you never but know. I, I, yeah, you never know. But <laughs> yeah. it is, it is really good. All sure. right. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, yeah, William. Yeah, That's bet. gonna be kind of a regular segment on the Good News Show. William's kind of digging up things and events, and Diane is, uh, has her hand in that as well. Uh, we always want to let you know what's going on, and as many people as forward us information, the better. I do want to thank uh, our dear friend Bill Kula at the Catholic Foundation. I don't know if anybody is better than Bill Kula in keeping us informed on things that were going on. It's pretty and, stiff competition. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bill's among the top. But last week, he let me know that they have a new uh, senior development officer at the Catholic Foundation. Her name is Anna LeBlanc, and uh, she'll be strengthening the existing team that works closely with donors and professional advisors uh, to serve donors and the needs of the Dallas area community. And she begins her role uh, October 3rd. I guess she wanted to get through all of our live remotes uh, <laughs> before she started. I think that that's, that's the plan there. Oh, absolutely. And she currently serves as uh, Director of Gift Planning at the University of Texas at Dallas, a position that she's held for the last 10 years. All right, so uh, the other thing is, uh, I don't know, have we even mentioned the Dr. Ray thing on the air yet? So, no. So is, is, this, is this the first time yeah, we've even I'm, mentioned it that it's, I'm getting, he's coming? I get confused what we've talked about on the air. I get very confused, too. Like, I don't know, because we just talk so much. So, you know, it's hard to know <laughs> what did we say on the radio or not. I wish someone could, like, on one of the audience members could just be like, 
yes, you did, or yeah. no, you didn't. Somebody I have no keeping idea. track of yeah, what we talked exactly. about. Yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, super exciting. All right, so here's the deal, uh, and we're going to tell you what's going on, but we're not going to... There's no action item today. Yeah, no action <laughs> item, but I do have something that I want to give away, so, so stay tuned. Uh, Living Right with Dr. Ray Grandy is the TV show that Dr. Ray hosts for uh, EWTN uh, Television, and if you remember about five years ago, Dr. Ray and his producer, Dick Russ, came in and they uh, recorded four different TV programs across the street at Glenn Beck Studios. Mm-hmm. And they're coming again, okay, in just a little over a month. It's going to be Wednesday, November 9th and Thursday, November 10th. And there will be two, uh, this is TV, TV shows each of those days starting at 5 p.m. and 7.15 p.m. Many of you came out and had a, a really good time. It's a lot of fun. Of course, Dr. Ray is just a, 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 a hoot and a holler. I mean, he's a lot of fun. And so we are going to be announcing probably a week from today mm-hmm. officially that we want to fill the seats, 75 seats per show. Is that right, Cecil? 75 seats per show. There's going to be four shows total. So we're looking at... Uh, should try not to do math on live in the air. <laughs> 300 people. We're looking for 300 people total uh, to fill those seats. It's a super fun experience if you've never been in a live TV audience before. And Dr. Ray is just a show unlike no other. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he l- really gets involved with the audience, you know, has them ask questions. He does little bits and it's very entertaining. And it's also a wealth of information. We're going to have some local guests be on the show. Um, so it's going to be a really, really fun time. Uh, and it's a, it's a great thing. I know last time we had families come that brought some of their, like, you know, younger kids and it's it's just a fun time yeah um okay so that is that and we'll have a lot more information um to tell you about that if you could give that to Cicel, it has to do with our first guest ah. uh, <laughs> she just she just emailed me and uh, has a different phone number oh to that's call. an important okay. thing i need to have all right now here is some big big news there is a movie coming out perhaps uh, you dear listener have heard about this um it's called mother Teresa: no greater love have you heard about this william Okay, so this is going to be a, they, you know, it's kind of interesting how they do this. It's only going to be in the theaters for two day, two nights. Okay. But if it does really well, then they extend it. Okay, so uh, the two nights are next Monday and Tuesday, uh, October 3rd and 4th, and we have been given 10 tickets uh, for four different theaters. Okay, so the theaters are the Cinemac, Cinemark 17 IMAX on Webb Chapel Road in Dallas, the Cinemark Movie 16 in Grand Prairie, the Cinemark 14 in Cedar Hill, and the Cinemark Plano in Plano. <laughs> Central Plano and Plano. So you basically have Dallas, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, and Plano. Ten tickets each. Uh, anybody listening right now, if you would like to go to the theater and see the, the Mother Teresa movie, it's called Mother Teresa, No Greater Love, uh, next Monday or Tuesday, I can give you two tickets. Okay. So, and you got to specify which of the theaters you want. And then I'll send you the little code. And then you got to go to cinemark.com. And, uh, supposedly it's a great yeah, movie. I interviewed the director and producer last week. You remember that, Diane? Yes. Yeah. And, and so, uh, email me right away. Um, I doubt we'll run out of tickets just from this broadcast, but, uh, let me know again, Dallas, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, or Plano, okay? And you can either go Monday or Tuesday next week. I I think there's different showtimes and all that, so uh, just let me know. So email Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Just say Mother Teresa movie tickets and which of the cities you want to, to go to, and I'll send you your tickets. All right, so anything else we need to cover, Diane? Uh, you know, other- I know people should go out there 
and support these parish fall festivals because the state fair is also here, but those get very crowded. Has the state fair started yet? I think it's about to start like next week. Yeah, very, very soon. End very of September. Soon, yeah. yeah. Are you a state fair guy? A, a little bit. We didn't go last year, but it, but yeah, I, it's really fun. I do enjoy going when we're, when we're able to. Last year, we were just so busy we weren't I, able to. I but love <laughs> the state fair. Some, I know. some people don't like it. Some people I, don't like to go, you know, that yeah. kind of a, you know, that area of town and all that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I love it. I, I just actually, it's I might be going this Saturday because there's a football game, Grambling State and Prairie View A and M, that I might get to cover it and might get to tour around the oh, fairgrounds. Nice. Oh, Who okay. knows? All right, good. So, all right, lots going on. Let me see if anybody's responded to these tickets uh, yet. So, remember, if you want to go see the Mother Teresa movie, then email me right away, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Uh, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Next Monday or Tuesday at any of the Cinemark theaters in da- Dallas, the, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, or Plano. This is the newest movie, right? Because I know oh, yeah. there's been other documentaries. It's the one that the Knights of Columbus her. are producing. Yes. Yeah, super Knights exciting. Columbus, yeah, and, and uh, Kevin Wandro with Carmen Communications said it's really good. And Sissel's good bringing her uh, discipleship group yes, out there next Monday entire, night. Right? All of our eight senior girls and I and our other leader are going to go. So it works. Super yeah, happy. and it's important to support these movies. I mean, you're getting free tickets here, but we want to fill the theaters because if it does well, then they'll continue to, you know, they'll, they'll run and it'll get to, to run a bit longer as well. Uh, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, William, for that report. Absolutely. Diane, for, for uh, pitching in as well. And let's go to our first guest, uh, who is uh, Marcy Stockman. She is founder and president of an organization called Well Read Mom Incorporated. Their website is wellreadmom.com. Red as in R-E-A-D. <laughs> uh, wellreadmom.com. And it began in a response uh, to a cry of a woman's heart. And basically, they provide a place where women can grow in friendship, faith, and reorient themselves to the good, the true, and the beautiful through, I think, basically reading good books. And so, uh, I believe Marcy Stockman, former uh, the, the founder and president of Well Read Mom, is joining us on the phone right now. Marcy, uh, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks. And I, I should say also, y'all have an event coming up uh, this Sunday at St. Rita Parish in Dallas. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, we'll get more details on that as well. I, I went to your website, wellreadmom.com, and I started reading and pretty blown away by how many people you have involved and how big this has gotten. Um, so tell us, for those who are not familiar with Well Read Mom, how did it start? Why did it start? And, and what exactly is it? Well, thanks, Dave. It's, it started really because my daughter was a new mom, and she called me one day, and she said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going back to that mother's group. I've been there three times, and all, all we're talking about is our kids, what kind of diaper to buy. And she had this cry in her voice. Um, she said, Mom, isn't there a place after college where women get together and you know, talk about the real questions of life? And I could tell she was lonely, and I remembered that time when I was a new mom you know, earlier, and, and I thought, boy, does it have to be this way? And at that time in my own life, I had been giving some talks to mothers of preschoolers where I live in northern Minnesota, and each time I, I, I gave a talk called Well-Read Mom, and I was I titled it that because I was just curious, what are women reading? And so I spoke about the importance of reading, but each time I would drive home sad because basically women weren't reading. They said, I don't have time to read, and not one woman was reading 
quality literature for its own sake. And I was struggling myself. I think that's why I was giving this talk, to help myself read more. So the day that Beth called, her desire for a place of meaningful connection, it merged with my desire to read more and, and read quality literature. And I said, Beth, let's, let's read great and worthy books together, you know, and Well Read Mom was born. And so uh, that was 12, 11 years ago, the fall of 2012. I started a group with my friends in Crosby, Minnesota, where I live, and Beth started a group in St. Paul, and we put together a five-year list, and now, but now we're on our 11th year, so that's how it began. And well, so it started in Minnesota, and then you've expanded. Are, are the groups meeting in person? Are they meeting online? Um, it might have been different during the pandemic, but what is the, the kind of the structure of it? Uh, how do the, 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 the women get together and to, to read these books together? Yeah, well, we want to use we want to use the website to facilitate helping women form a group in their local parish, their local community, so they meet in person. Because so many uh, we we have so many digital connections nowadays, and yet women are lonely, and we miss out on the face to face opportunity locally just to grow in friendship, to get to know about each other's lives, and it turns out that discussing literature is a great platform for conversation and sharing sharing life and is the are the books chosen by well-read mom and said okay this is the book for this week or this month and you know and also can you give us some examples of what uh, y'all would consider good literature sure uh, I'm, I'm standing in front of my bookshelf here so i've got <laughs> you know, about 150 books but when, when Beth and I decided to do this, really share literature together, uh, it, it became a great sort of, a, a great experience with my daughter. I'm so grateful. And now my, I have like five daughters in it now and daughter-in-laws. But anyway, the, when we started, I, we didn't know how to do this. So I went to my bookshelf at home and I pulled off all these books that I had read over the years, piled them in stacks on, the, on my rug, and thought to myself, how are we going to organize a book list? You know, do we start with the ancient epics from from Greece and Rome, the Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, and then work our way through Virgil, Aeneid, and uh, Augustine's, St. Augustine's Confessions? Then I thought, no, we can't do it this way. Those books are important, and we are going to read those books, but this is like asking women to run a marathon. We have to order these books in a way that actually works in a woman's life. Uh, women are busy, um, especially moms with little ones at home or, you know, carpooling kids. It has to work for women. And so we ordered this, well, trying to figure out how to do that. One day I was reading Pope John Paul's letter to women, and he was thanking women. Thank you, women who are workers. Thank you, who are teachers. Thank you, women who are mothers and sisters and friends. And I, I just had this moment of understanding this is how we can order the book list. We'll, we'll have, it'll correspond, each year will correspond with the capacity in a woman's life. So women are friends, women are daughters, women are mothers. So although you don't have to be a mom to be a more mom, you know, it's for all women. But anyway, so I, we, we did year of the sister, year of the daughter, 
year of the mother, year of the spouse. Uh, this year, it's year of the giver. And so anyway, we I moved those books around to, to sort of fit the theme of the year. So, um, you know, we read a spiritual classic during Advent and a spiritual classic during Lent, a shorter read in December and holiday months, a, a shorter read, uh, sometimes short stories. So it has to work for a woman's life, and surprisingly, it, it's working. So uh, the accountability and friendship uh, is a way to kind of get out of, over that hurdle, that that thinking that says, I don't have time to read. You end up finding, actually, I'm reading more than I ever thought I could um, because I don't want to let my friends down. That, that's how it works for me. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. So how many... How many women, how many, I know you said they didn't have to be a mom necessarily, but how many women or moms are involved in this uh, right now after 11 years? Now we're, we're over 5,000 across the United States in every state, I believe. Uh, it started, you know, just with my daughter's friends and, and my friends. But by the end of that first year, uh, 25 other women had said, can I form a little group? And so that's what's nice about it. It's super easy to start a group. And because we, you know, I do a little audio introducing the book or um, our another woman, Carla Galdo, she introduces the books. And so when you start a group, I want to make it so easy for women to get together and just women get together, get their cup of tea or whatever, and sit down in a circle, and you just press your phone even and play the audio, and it it gets it helps helps the women remember why we're why we're there, what we're doing, and uh, a little little way to ease into conversation about the book, and and a, a an interesting thing that I think is uh, another reason why why women are responding so positively is because. It's not about being a, a expert at literature. You know, we don't focus on that. We look, we read the book and we look at our own experience in life, and we see connection in our own lives. So the idea is that literature, quality literature, can help us grow in understanding the human condition, in grow growing in empathy, in a wider perspective uh, of what people struggle with or go through. So I, I I know it helps me, so I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. I noticed on the website there is a, it's like a subscription basis. Uh, I think it was like $49 a, a year. Is, is that um, what a woman needs to do to get involved in this and start getting the emails and form a group is to subscribe yes. to Well Read Mom? Yes, just um, subscribe as a member and then we send you a packet with the year's uh, reading companion, which is beautiful. I think it's um, 170 pages this year, but it includes a short story that we'll be reading in December, for example. It includes a biography on each book, the reading list, um, questions, reflections. It's just a closer look page, which is why we chose the book for the, with this year's theme and uh, what to look for. So. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful tool to really launch launch um, your group and 
I don't know. I love it. Mm-hmm. It really helps us. Yeah. And um, by the way, Marcy Stockman is my guest. Uh, she is the founder and president of Well Read Mom. You can go to wellreadmom.com, well, R-E-A-D, mom.com, and find out more about uh, the group. They're going to have an event coming up this Sunday at St. Rita Parish. We'll talk about that in uh, just a second. Marcy, uh, you mentioned, you know, some of the, the books a moment ago, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Consideration of Confessions of St. Augustine and, and some of the other ones. Are, are, the, are the books all, like, specifically Catholic, or how aligned are they with the Catholic faith, the books that you choose? Well, the, usually the, the Advent and Lent books are spiritual classics that have mostly been by saints. Uh, we did read The Hiding Place uh, last a couple of years ago by Corey Tim Bloom. But we read um, we read literature, like good literature, um, that's mostly from the Western tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's grounded in grounded in that there is a truth in reality, right? That yeah. there are consequences uh, when we take a certain path. So um, that we're for me, these are books that are true to the the God's story that we are in need of a savior. So we see our brokenness, we see redemption in these stories. And but we we read some current books. Um, we've read definitely classics like Crime and Punishment, My Antonia, uh, Saint Teresa of Avila as a Way of Perfection, um, different plays, short stories. So it it the idea is to raise the bar. Mm-hmm. And say, look, women, we can do better. We can, first of all, maintain the ability to read from print, which is quickly changing in our culture. We need to maintain that ability as a as a people, reading yeah. books from print, because that's the way we grow in the capacity to contemplate and to actually think. Uh, it's a different kind of reading than reading online where we're trying to um, scan for information. Yes. Uh, and sort right. out what's important to keep. You know, it's a different kind of reading. So I think we're cultivating that capacity to deep read. And I think it's um, something to pass on to our children that and our spouses and keep that, keep reading from books and keep books in the home. Very nice. Can you uh, tell our listeners what is happening on Sunday at St. Rita? And do you have the details of the time and you know, any no, other any other particulars? I need to have that flyer in front of me. And I don't know where I put it. Uh, do you have the flyer? Do I, I, I don't have it with me. I, I went to the St. Rita website, and I didn't see it on there. Um, but w- would it be on wellreadmom.com, that information? No, about- I will make sure we get that up. Okay. Uh, email e- info at wellreadmom, and we'll have details. So it's at St. Rita's. It's from 1 to 5. Okay. I know that much. I know I'm, oh, I do have what I'm talking, I'm talking about the power of uh, sister, sisters, sisterhood, the power of reading and renewing culture, cultural renewal through reading. So I'm speaking on that and then we're showing a talk on literature and reading from our, a half hour talk from our conference last year that's really wonderful, as well as our Colleen is going to speak on um, the pilgrimage that we do and how we choose the books and why. A little more detail on that. Anyway, it'll be a, there'll be a panel discussion with um, Marwood Mom members. 
on some of the books. So it'll be a fascinating afternoon. All right. Very good. Uh, Marcy Stockman, founder, president of Well-Read Mom. It's uh, for uh, women uh, to get together, read classic books and uh, and just good literature uh, together. Uh, Marcy, I, I just out of curiosity, if, somebody's, if a, a woman is listening right now and wants to subscribe, you know, maybe she doesn't right now know a group of ladies that wants to do it with her will you assign somebody her into a group or or if she's just kind of on her own or how does that work right if you if you email us at info at wellreadmom.com you will we can help you find a group in your area or start a group Uh, janelle works with new leaders helping them get started kind of kind of holding that holding your hand for a while if needed, and if you go to St. Rita's, that'll be a, would be a great chance to meet us and let us help you as well. We we really want to walk with women to get started. Sounds wonderful, Marcy. Thank you so much. Wellreadmom.com is the website, and info at wellreadmom.com is the email if you want to get a hold of Marcy M A R C I E. And you can email her and, uh, you know, get involved or you can subscribe and get started and certainly plan on going out there at one o'clock on this Sunday, the 2nd of October to their event at St. Rita Parish in Dallas. Marky, Marcy, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you so much. Look forward to coming to Texas. Yeah, <laughs> from the great uh, up. Well, it must be cold up there, northern Minnesota, not just Minnesota, northern Minnesota, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready for some sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's cooled down a little bit here, but it's still it's going to be nice. So the, the weather should be very pleasant for you for sure. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks so much. All right, wellreadmom.com. That sounds like a very interesting group. I, well, I wonder if there's wellreaddad.com. That, that's, that's what I'd like to look into, wellreaddad.com. Uh, all right, yeah, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. I just want to remind you about the movie about Mother Teresa's life, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. It's in theaters October 3rd and 4th. That's next Monday and Tuesday. And we have tickets to give away. I have 10 tickets for four different theaters. You can go Monday or Tuesday. You just have to go online and find your you know, time and, and theater. It's uh, the Cinemark in Dallas, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, or Plano. If you'd like two tickets to that movie next Monday or Tuesday, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love, email me right away, Palmer at grnonline.com, and just say, I want you know Mother Teresa tickets, and I want to go to Dallas, or Grand Prairie, or Cedar Hill, or Plano. Just let me know which city you'd like, and I'll send those to you here by the end of the day, okay? Palmer at grnonline.com. Okay, we're about halfway through the program, and coming up next, Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the president of the University of Dallas, is going to join us in studio. He's going to be interviewing Sister Alicia Torres, the communication director Director for National Eucharistic Revival. It's a grassroots initiative leading up to the 2024 National Eucharistic Congress, and UD is going to host a mass and Eucharistic procession on campus as part of Eucharistic Revival this Saturday, October 1st. So Dr. Sanford will tell you all about that. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Dr. Sanford and Sister Torres right after this.
The Symposium on Blessed Karl of Habsburg, the last emperor and king of Austria and Hungary, is returning to North Texas on Saturday, October 15th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Plano Event Center. Come learn why Blessed Karl is a man for our times and how he and his wife Zita are models for married couples. Guest speakers include Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Archduke Edward Van Habsburg, and Blessed Karl's granddaughter, Princess Maria Anna Habsburg. Visit blessedkarl.org for information and tickets. Looking for a career move where you can put your faith into action as you build relationships within your local community? Decided Excellence Catholic Media is one of the fastest growing private media companies in North America. We are seeking media, marketing, and sales professionals who want to join our team to produce exclusive faith-filled magazines that support local businesses. To learn more about Decided Excellence Catholic Media, please visit decidedexcellence.com. That's decidedexcellence.com. Join Mary Immaculate Catholic Church in Farmer's Branch for its annual fun-filled Fall Festival. The Fall Festival takes place on Saturday, October 1st at the parish starting at 10 a.m. There will be plenty of food, games, and rides. There will even be an opportunity for cute and candid family pictures. Come out and show your support for the parish. For more information, visit maryimmaculatechurch.org. Esther Fernandez is a realtor with JP and Associates and a sponsor here on KTH 910 AM. She's a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a supporter and volunteer with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Our real estate market remains strong and interest rates could change. There are first-time buyer programs available for teachers, nurses, police, and firefighters. You can reach Esther by calling 214-845-1753 or by email at estherzfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. The Archangels Men's Network of Catholic Charities of Dallas invites all the faithful to join them as they host Breakfast with the Bishop on Thursday, September 29th at 7.30 a.m. at St. Paul Catholic Church in Richardson. Join Dallas Bishop Edward Burns and guest speaker Dallas Police Chief Eddie Garcia for an inspiring talk and morning. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit ccdallas.org slash breakfast. If you just experienced damages from the most recent severe weather, you need a professional to guide you through the insurance process. Hi, I'm Mari Buford with Buford Roofing and Construction and a proud member of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please beware of the door-to-door, fast-talking, high-pressure salesman that insists you sign a contract now. Take your time, weigh your options, and let a professional be your guide. We may be reached at our website, BufordRoofing.com, or by phone at 817-329-ROOF. All right, we're back. This is the Good News Show here on this beautiful Monday afternoon, and uh, it's the fourth Monday of the month, and that means it's time for the University of Dallas segment. Uh, We always have Dr. Jonathan Sanford either in studio or with us one way or the other. He's in studio today, so welcome, Dr. Sanford. How are you? It's great to be here. Um, I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, How are you, Dave? I'm doing fine. I I think the last time you were here, uh, school either was just about to start or you were like in the first week and now you got a month or so under your belt. So how's how's the uh, new year going? Things are going really fantastically, actually. The the students are engaged. Um, You know, on campus, it's it's all about the student Mm -hmm. and and the learning that takes place there. And um, it's been a it's been a happy first month of the semester. At the end of this week is fall reading day, or next week, rather, and, and that means that midterms are coming up, and, and that's when things 
get a little more serious. But <laughs> but we we have a fantastic freshman class, and, yeah. and faculty seem to be pleased with um, the effort of our students. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, very good. I was excited to see that you all have a Eucharistic procession coming up this Saturday, That's all right. tied in with uh, Eucharistic revival that the USCCB is promoting. And I guess uh, you got a guest to talk about it today, huh? That's right. Yeah. So this this Saturday we'll ha- we'll uh, have mass at noon as we always do on Saturday, and then there will be adoration and a rosary, and then we'll have a Eucharistic procession on campus. And um, and, and then a little reception afterwards. But the, the point of this is to participate in some small way in the National Eucharistic Revival. And uh, Bishop Cousins of Cookston is um, the, the bishop designated to lead that effort. And Sister Alicia Torres is the director of communications um, with that effort. And I believe she's on the line. Yep, she's Hello, she's with Dr. us. Stanford. How are you, Sister Torres? Thanks so much for I'm joining great. us. I'm great. Thank thank you for having me. Well, you know, um, I I first learned about the Eucharistic revival um, a little late in the game. It was this summertime, and I know the the official uh, kickoff was June 19th on the feast of Corpus Christi. But um, I think a lot of our listeners are eager to hear more about what the Eucharistic Revival is, and why it is so significant at this moment in time. Absolutely. You know, our bishops really have prayerfully discerned a response to what is a crisis in our church right now that a great minority of Catholics really understand and believe the doctrine of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so if we don't understand that, then, you know, why would we go to Mass? Why would we live radically changed lives that don't correspond to what the culture tells us we should do. Mm-hmm. And so this revival was launched this past Corpus Christi, like you said, and the three-year movement toward a National Eucharistic Congress, and then from there, a missionary sending out. Mm-hmm. So while we have these three years that are planned, the vision is not for this to be just three years, but rather to engage the grassroots at every level to, in a sense, kind of well up into this revival and to live the fruits of it and the mission of it for years to come. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love the language of revival. It's it's a term that um, Catholics don't always attach to their approach to our faith. And um, what 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 do you hear when you hear the term revival? And, and why do you think... Um, the bishops have have characterized this movement as a revival. Absolutely. Well, when you think of that word, or rather when I hear the word revival, at least, what it makes me think of is come back to life, right? Mm-hmm. To revive, to reinvigorate, to re-enliven. And if we think about the mystery of the Eucharist, there is effectively no Eucharist without the resurrection, right? Yes. The Eucharist is Jesus truly present to us, a celebration of the Paschal mystery, um, an orientation toward new resurrected life in Christ. And we can't have communion without sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? And so daily in our church, we relive the Paschal mystery and we're invited into that. Um, but if our hearts are not engaged, if our minds are not engaged, if our lifestyle isn't engaged in what resurrection means for us, then it's, it's going to be hard to key in. And so we all need revival, mm-hmm. um, including leadership. And that's what the first year of the Eucharistic Revival is about, is reaching out to the leaders in our church 
um, from the bishops all the way to school principals and everyone leading within the different diocesan um, um, institutions that are a church, whether they be parishes, Catholic schools, Catholic charities, etc. Mm-hmm. Because all of us who are leaders need to have renewal, need to have healing, need to have deeper conversion with Jesus mm-hmm. and through that encounter with him in the Eucharist. So I love that your um, event on Saturday really was oriented around the first two pillars we're talking about when we discuss the revival is personal encounter and reinvigorating devotion. Mm-hmm. So meeting him in the Eucharist and then loving him in the Eucharist. And that's what the Mass is about. That's what adoration is about. That's what Eucharistic processions and other expressions of devotion are about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to know him <laughs> in order to serve him, right? But if in order to know him and serve him, we need to let him love us and mm-hmm. have that response of love. Um, and I see that as just really the ground zero of this year of the revival. Well, thank you for that. So can I ask you a little bit about your your own, um, um, uh, I guess, vocation? You're a Franciscan of the Eucharist of Chicago. You've got Eucharist in the, in the very title of your, your uh, religious community. And um, what, what about... Um, your own embrace of God's call for you does the Eucharist um, have to do? How, 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 does, how does adoration, how does engagement with our Lord, particularly in, in um, the Blessed Sacrament, uh, play into, into your own call? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, a great, it's such a great thing to reflect on. I mean, when I think about it, you know, as a Franciscan, many people think of St. Francis of Assisi and associate him with garden statues and animals, and certainly he loved creation, but that's because he had a profound relationship with our creator and who was totally absorbed in the mystery of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And so St. Francis was a profoundly Eucharistic saint uh, to the point where, you know, he's living right around or right after the years following Lateran Four, which was a council that called for the clergy particularly to reevaluate how are they caring for the things of the Mass, how are they celebrating the Eucharist. St. Francis wrote a letter to all the priests of the entire world, exhorting them to put into practice the reforms of Lateran IV. Mm-hmm. So this is part of our Franciscan history and intimately bound up with even the founding of our order. So here I am 800 years later on the west side of Chicago at the mission of Our Lady of the Angels. And like many other Franciscan communities, we choose to live among the poor that we serve. Um, but, you know, our founder, Bishop Lombardo, who who's now one of the auxiliary bishops here in Chicago, he would often echo the words of Mother Teresa to us in the early days of our community that if you can't see Jesus and the Eucharist, you can't see him in the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we think about the materially poor, the impoverished, those who struggle with addiction on the margins of society, it can at times be very hard to gaze upon people in those situations and see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's through that daily encounter with him in adoration at the Holy Mass um, that my own eyes have been transformed. And, you know, I think part of that conversion journey, Dr. Sinford, is also just starting to have that same experience Jesus has when he sees his poor ones. Um, and he promised the poor would always be with us, which is, in a sense, a bit of, um, it's a, bit of a, a heavy thing for us to carry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing we can do as followers of Jesus to eliminate poverty. Like, this is going to be part of our fallen world. But how can we reach out in love with his hands and his heart to alleviate that suffering, not just materially, but ultimately inviting those who are on the margins into a relationship with Jesus, which is transformative for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I couldn't even imagine living this life without the Eucharist. It wouldn't make sense, frankly, um, to live this way. So I feel incredibly um, honored and humbled. And when I pay attention to the movements of my own heart and I'm aware of it, it's so clear to me um, why the church has asked religious life to live the way that she has, mm-hmm. and why our founders and foundresses have these particular cares and to respond to specific needs, mm-hmm. specific times of church history. Well, thank you for that. You know, the, the, um, I, I want to talk about the, um, the, the Eucharistic uh, revival, the Eucharistic Congress that um, there, we have a, a three-year march towards, so it's going to take place July 17th through 21 of 2024. And you said a little earlier in this segment that um, the goal is not just to get to the Congress. The Congress itself is an opportunity for a vast revitalization of um, the church in America and the church in the world. And the way in which I, I see our, our uh, students on campus, for instance, engaged every day. We've got a couple of masses on mm-hmm. campus. We've got a, a community of Cistercians across the street. Mm-hmm. We have a Dominican priory on campus and a, a minor seminary on campus. There, there are many celebrations of the Eucharist on a on a daily basis, and we have adoration on a daily basis. and mm-hmm. And I can see that our young people are hungry for this this deep personal relationship with our Lord Jesus. And um, maybe that, that, that gives me um, uh, a view of our future that's different than the one that you might encounter on television or in the mm-hmm. newspapers, right? So it, in some ways, it, it can seem like there are a set of insurmountable obstacles to a, uh, a United States of America that's just teeming with love for our Lord that that orients itself around the Eucharist, and um, how how do we how do we move from this profound aspiration to realize that kind of future? Um, uh, what what are the means to that end? How how are we going to get there? You know, that's such a fantastic question, and I think honestly, you you've responded to it in part just by those observations that you're sharing with us about what you're seeing at the University of Dallas, young people are hungry. And when we propose Christ as the answer to those deep questions, that starts to move them to walk in a direction toward him. And so, you know, when I reflect on the Eucharistic revival, when I pray about it, I'm I'm so convicted that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, um, that our bishops have just so prayerfully discerned a direction for the church. Mm -hmm. And I mean, frankly, what is it? It's like calling the whole church to reorient her gaze upon Christ in the Eucharist. And, you know, we read so clearly in the Catechism, dovetailing from Vatican II documents, that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, of our Christian life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we're not gazing upon the source, then all the questions are going to start having answers that are moving away from the truth, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many people are struggling with even just understanding their basic identity as humans, mm-hmm. as men and as women, men and women, how many young people even can identify as beloved children of, of God the Father who is never going to abandon them or let them down mm-hmm. or be disappointed in them, mm-hmm. right? When we have so many experiences of broken family life. Um, so for me, and, and I think for our team, for the bishops, you know, we're thinking about this very big picture 
but just like Jesus, <laughs> like let's just get really, really simple here. Jesus called a community of 12 right. to be with him for three years, and he lived with them, ate with them, prayed with them, called them away from the busyness periodically to rest, and then he sent them on mission when they were ready. And so I think there's a huge, big picture to attend to, and that every single one of us, especially leaders, you know, like a person like yourself that's leading a Catholic university, how is the Holy Spirit asking you to attend to the community that you're, in a sense, entrusted with, Mm -hmm. that you're working with the clergy that are there to help shepherd these young people closer to Christ? And then how do we empower each Catholic, each baptized member of the body to make a personal response to this call for revival? You know, and for every single one of us, that means a renewed encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist or a first encounter. Mm -hmm. And then from there, helping people to discern what's the next step. You know, it's going to look really different for someone who's not even attending Sunday Mass regularly as it might be for someone who's already going to Sunday Mass and has a bit of a formed life of prayer. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a cookie cutter. Um, It can be so invigorated and so much creativity can come from the various charisms that we have in the church, the lay movements. I mean, even the character of every Catholic university is different And every Catholic university is in a different place Mm -hmm. in how she's expressing her Catholic identity. So I think that's one of the great things about just the idea of revival is that, you know, it's going to start right where the person is at. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be a certain place on the, quote, journey Mm -hmm. to engage in this. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's just deeply comforting to remember, as as you encouraged us to, that our Lord started with a a very small group. And... Mm -hmm. And um, just those 12, um, and, you know, uh, 11 in a way, um, although mm-hmm. um, uh, then 12 again. So the, the, um, um, the, the insurmountability of the task presents itself if we think that we're the instruments of mm-hmm. everything that is to be accomplished, it seems to me. But if we're doing our, our job, if we're performing those tasks that are given unto us, and and striving as well as we can to encourage others to do their work, then then uh, the Holy Spirit can uh, can move through this process in, in ways that will astonish us. I think the absolutely. You know, um, can can you tell us a little bit about what the notion of a Eucharistic Congress is? I know we've we've had them before in the United States. It's been a while. Um, but what, what does this mean, a Eucharistic Congress? Absolutely. You know, the Eucharistic Congress, when, when we've been envisioning it, um, we have a wonderful new executive director for the Congress, Tim Glomkowski, fantastic mm-hmm. um, Catholic leader, layman. Yeah, I know, I, I know him. I taught him uh, many years ago when he was an okay, undergraduate yeah, student, I'm, and I was at a different university. So he's Very he's good. Yeah, Tim is just wonderful. I'm so pleased um, that the bishops invited him to take on that role. So when you think about the Eucharistic Congress, I mean, don't think conference, think festival, think World Youth Day, think bringing the whole church together to celebrate and to worship our God truly present in the Eucharist, to have moments of formation, Mm -hmm. um, and then to have this beautiful moment of missionary sending as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, we envision the festival environment, we envision opportunities for young adults, for families. Um, We envision including seminarians um, and clergy and helping to make this happen 
as, as well as, of course, hundreds of volunteers to help put into play the plan um, that our wonderful staff has been working on for over over two years now. You know, mm-hmm. it's not something that pulls together overnight. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I know. So I, 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 like, I like this idea of a of a festival. Right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, there there is there is fundamental to our celebration of the faith a, a kind of recognition of um, um, celebration as being a, a kind of, of worship, right? And, and, and I think we've become a dour people in many respects. <laughs> and, and, and so um, rejoicing in the Lord and, and rejoicing in the community around our Lord seems to me appropriate. I want to ask you one theological question, if you don't mind. You were, you were talking earlier about uh, how we've lost our sense of, of what it is to be human. And, mm. and um what is it about spending time with our Lord, gazing upon Him in the Eucharist, that um, helps us recall our humanity? Yeah, such a good question. You know, it really, really, really brings me back to um, that line, I believe in Gaudium, it says that the human person cannot know him or herself except through a sincere gift of self. And it's impossible for us to even enter into that dynamic of making the gift of ourselves until we ourselves have allowed another to make a gift of himself to us. Mm-hmm. And God is our origin and our destiny, right? I mean, we believe in this Trinitarian God, this profound mystery, but that the Father, Son, and Spirit are this eternal exchange of love. So they, they themselves, the, our God is a relationship, and we're mm-hmm. made in the image and likeness of this self-giving, all-loving God. Mm -hmm. And so to sit before him in adoration and allow him to reveal himself, to give himself to us, awakens in us that capacity, Mm -hmm. right? So it's it's essential for us as Catholics if we truly believe that this is is real, that Christ died on a cross and rose from the dead and that that changes history, destroys sin and death. Um, It's going to be impossible for us to get to the depths of a secure identity without the Eucharist. Yeah. You know, we talk about the seven sacraments, and they are all um, these visible manifestations of grace and different ways that Christ reveals his love and mercy to us. But the Eucharist is is the pinnacle sacrament. Like, there's no sacrament that touches what the Eucharist is. It's not a symbol. It is Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, like, we await and, like, we groan in our bodies for the fullness of that encounter and that communion with him in heaven. So the Eucharist doesn't replace what will be, but it's our food for the journey. It's our accompaniment of the whole Christ on the way to heaven. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. And I, I love that notion of self-donation um, that's, that's at the root of the Holy Trinity. And we, as human beings, are called to live in a kind of self-donative manner in marriage, mm-hmm. in our religious communities, in mm-hmm. our families, and in our our broader communities, and reflecting on the way in which our Lord in the flesh is present before us, although under a species that mm-hmm. that um, is is not obvious, um, obviously revealing the wholeness of his um, of his self. Um, that that reminds us of our own call to live in community, and mm-hmm. and of our of our own nature as being in fact a, a bodily nature. But um, I think. One one of the the great 
ailments of our of our day is this tendency to think of ourselves as strictly individuals who mm. who um, have every right to pursue whatever we might think we prefer and um, a successful life is a life in which we maximize our our preferences that's not a flourishing life um, that's a that's a truncated view of what it is to be a human being which is to be fully embodied soul and body and we flourish in community with others through giving our own lives as gifts to those who give themselves as gifts to us. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in support of this Eucharistic revival. And um, we, we are uh, eager to participate, um, not just as we will this Saturday with, with our Mass, and all of our listeners are welcome to join us for Mass and adoration mm-hmm. and a procession. Um, uh, that's just a small way. We're going to be praying. Um, I want to see our students involved and our faculty involved in the great festival that we're anticipating in three years and, and, and then beyond. But I'm very grateful that you've taken this on and are, are helping the, the church in America with this work. Uh, totally a pleasure. And I'd encourage all your listeners to visit um, our national website, EucharisticRevival.org. We have a beautiful weekly newsletter with original content that comes out every Thursday. You can subscribe there to stay inspired and engaged in the revival over these three years. Um, and there's just many more resources. We just put up a new dynamic page called LEAD that helps people to understand how they can prayerfully discern how to get involved as leaders. Um, yeah, so there's just so much rich content on there, and we'll just continue to build that in these days and weeks to come. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Sister Torres, and God bless you. My pleasure. God bless you. All right, thank you. Very good segment. She was a great guest. And so EucharisticRevival.org is her website. Uh, of course, UDallas.edu is uh, University of Dallas's. And the, the events on Saturday begin at what time, Dr. Sanford? Noon Mass. Noon Mass. In the Church of the Incarnation. All right, very good. Well, great to see you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And, uh, great segment there. Uh, University of Dallas segment every fourth Monday at 1230 here on KTH 910 AM. That brings us to an end to this particular program. Just a quick reminder of our live remotes that uh, William told us about earlier in the program. Friday, 4 to 6 at the Lebanese Food Festival. We're going to be at St. Elizabeth and Seton Keller for their fall festival Saturday, October 1st, this Saturday from 10 to noon. And then beginning at 1 o'clock and until Sissel drops uh, at the (laughs) St. Michael Festival in McKinney. Is Uh, that right? Exactly. I would say follow our Facebook group to actually get the proper end time that I hopefully will know by then. It's either going to be an hour or two hours, right? exactly. Okay, either one hour or two hours. Okay, I I, I jest. And uh, one last reminder, uh, Monday and Tuesday next week, we have tickets to Mother Teresa, No Greater Love in theaters in Dallas, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, and Plain. You know, I've got 10 tickets at each of those theaters that uh, we're going to give away. And if you would like to go uh, in Thanksgiving for listening to this show, just email me and say, hey, I want to go to the Mother Teresa movie next Monday or Tuesday, October 3rd or 4th, Dallas, Grand Prairie, Cedar Hill, or Plano. Uh, specify which city you want to go to. It's at the Cinemark Theater in each of those cities. And just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. So thank you to Sissel. Thank you to William and to all of our guests, Dr. Sanford as well. And we'll see you next Monday for the next Good News Show right here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you.
Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show. Dallas-based nonprofit Council for Life is proud to announce their 21st Celebrating Life Luncheon on Monday, November 14 at the Hilton Anatole Hotel with featured speaker Jim Caviezel, the actor who portrayed Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Council for Life is committing, for the first time, to funding over $1 million of the proceeds of the luncheon from their generous donors to a record-breaking 28 beneficiaries who work joyfully to support life. To purchase tickets for the event, visit councilforlife.org. K-A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.